Thanks for tuning into the rally on the Let's Get Ready Network. On this network, we talk about all the things you love, like movies, TV, sports, professional wrestling, and more. If you're interested in supporting the network, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash LGR Network. And please leave a rating and a review of this episode. Enjoy the show, everyone. Boom. What is good? What is happening, everybody? It's your boy, Ferris Madonna, and welcome to a special edition of the Highlight Sports Show. The reason this is a special edition is it's just for the audio feed. This is an audio-only podcast where me and my special guest, I'm not going to tell you who it is yet, me and my special guest are going to break down the major tournaments in tennis. Uh, we're going to go Australian Open, a Wimbledon, U.S. Open, and the French Open. And in the coming weeks, literally tomorrow, we're like... Sunday and Monday is the beginning of the Australian Open. And breaking it down with me, it is avid tennis fan and lover of the sport since way back when. Someone who knows more tennis than me is the one and is the only. It's Adelia Chamberlain. Adelia, how are you? I'm good, Ferris. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, tennis is something that you love. Av- um, and I'm not going to say rapidly. You're an avid tennis watcher. You love tennis. You mean you have me and you have talked a lot about tennis this past week, and me and you were like, you know what, Adelia? Let's do a damn tennis podcast. Yeah. Let's break down the majors. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, our homie Corey, and our homie Dagan, who are also good, are also who love tennis, who also sh- will show up on some of these shows when when we have when we um we're gonna have a good time for them to show up because Corey has to work. Uh, Corey has a job with normal hours. You know what I mean? <laughs> How dare he? How dare Corey? I don't know where Dagan is. You know, I mean, I, I, you know what? We should have asked Dagan to be on this, but guess what? We'll ask yeah. Dagan to be on the next one, because uh, he, you know, all he does is stay at the house and smoke weed. So he'll be on the next one. Uh, it's not, it's not insulting. I already did you. No, insulting at all. No, exactly. All right, Adelia. Let's go with this. Big news: the Australian Open is in two days or a day and a half for some people. Yeah. Big news coming out of Australia. It involves Novak Djokovic. The big news out of Australia does not involve tennis. It doesn't involve tennis whatsoever. Uh, he had his visa revoked. He appealed, got it back, and it's been revoked again. And now Australia is going to kick him out. And the final verdict is he will not be defending his Australian title that he's won, what, three years in a row, I believe? Four or five years? How long? I don't, remember. I don't remember how many years in a row it's been, but I know he's won the Australian Open nine, nine. times. Yes, that is a record, right? That's a record. Is that the record? It's a record. That's the yeah, record. Yeah, yeah. Is that the is that the record for most wins at a single Open or a single no. major Open? No, no, because Rafa's won the French like 13, 14 times. Jesus Christ, that man's the dominator of clay, ain't it? Sheesh, he is. All yeah. Right. All right, yeah. So, yeah, um, you know what? Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be unbiased. I do. I'm not a big fan of Novak Djokovic, um, but here's the thing: he knew the rules. He knew the rules. The rules were very clear for everyone, and he didn't want to follow the rules. He doesn't have to get vaccinated. I'm not saying he should have gotten vaccinated. I've I've gotten to the point with vaccinations like if you don't want to be vaccinated, whatever, just be yeah. safe. Just be safe. Wear your mask six feet at least. 
the homie. I get it. But you knew yeah. the rules. You knew the rules. You didn't want to follow them. And Australia was like, we don't want you in this country. And they kicked you out. That's well, your fault. I think we also have to say here that Craig Tiley and Tennis Australia, which is the governing body of tennis in Australia, are not blameless in this situation. They're the ones that told Novak he had a medical exemption for entering the country from their law. And uh, they and he got there and they said, nope. Uh, you uh, uh, did not qualify for this exemption. I think what it basically has come down to is that there should have been no exemptions. No exemptions. Like, for anybody, because, like, they, the, the Australian authorities basically wanted everybody that got an exemption to leave the country, and I think they've gotten to that point with everyone. Um, but uh, Novak's handling of his COVID-19 diagnosis on uh, December 16th going to uh, hand out awards to children the very next day uh, maskless the interview with Lakeep that he did maskless and without telling the journalist from Lakeep that he had COVID because he knew by that point that he tested positive he's admitted to that so that's you know, if, if he doesn't want to get vaccinated, you're right. That's his right. I think he's an idiot for it, but it's his right. And um, he just has made poor decision after poor decision in this whole process. And it culminated with just a few hours before we record this, them saying, no, uh, you're, you're done. We're deporting you. And he's accepted that. He put out a statement saying... You know, he strongly disagrees with the court's decision, but he's going to follow the authorities and leave the country. So Novak officially out of the Australian Open because of the fact that the Australian Open has put out the order of play for tomorrow. That means that instead of rearranging the draw, the seeds in the draw, they're going to replace Novak with what's known as a lucky loser, which is someone who's lost in the qualifying tournament and didn't make it into the main draw of the tournament, but is, like, signed in as if somebody in the main draw has to withdraw, they'll take their place. That, um, we are told, is world number 50, Salvatore Caruso. So he will now be playing in Novak's spot in the draw. So well, that's, I mean, good, good for Salvatore Naruso, you know, I mean, good for him, you know, yeah, no, you know, losing and still getting in, you know, good yeah. for him. Uh, honestly, dude, there's not really much to talk about in this scenario, really, it's really no. cut and dry now, yeah, he's not, he's not going to be participating, and it is what it is. So, now yep. let's get into some tennis matchups, right? Um, we, um, you have highlighted four in the men's side. That are very intriguing, and four on the women's side that are very intriguing. Let's go to the first. Let's go to the first male one. Let's do the male first, the male side. Okay. Um, it is world number twelve, uh, ranked um, uh, Cameron Nori versus American Sebastian Corda. Uh, yes. Corda is twenty-one. Nori's twenty-six. Uh, Corda's forty uh, in the world, and head-to-head, Corda is actually one and zero. Yeah, who do we be seeing an upset for for young Sebastian Corda? Uh, he's actually the leader in the in the American um, Renaissance, not really a Renaissance, because most of them suck except him. 
uh, as what I've been told, what I've been told, I'm not saying I'm an expert. I've been told they're not very good and it's very sad. That's why I'm rooting for some Canadians like Felix Ojay Aliasim. Remember that name. You said it right. Remember that name. Shout out to Ryan Christensen. Love you, dog. Um, So, yes, Corda, Nori, Adelia, who do you have and why? I I highlighted this one because I think there's a real chance for an upset of one of the higher seeds. There's obviously 32 seeds for the tournament. At number 12, Cameron Nori is one of, I'd say, that middle range of seeds. But on the higher end of that, and I think that Sebastian Corda has confidence mm-hmm. in being able to beat Cameron Nori because he's done it before. Exactly. Confidence is a big factor in tennis matches because, like, if you've done something before, then you know you can do it again, which sounds really simple and obvious. But kind of, if you're struggling, no, having that knowledge can help you along, mm-hmm. and. I think their games match up pretty well. I think that's one of the reasons why Corda um, beat him the first time. I is, don't it, be- is it Southpaw versus Southpaw or righty against righty? Or is it Southpaw righty? I don't recall. I think they're both right-handed. Um, I, that's one of the things. Like, in, Unless you're like one of the, the left-handed players that I know, which is Rafa, Feliciano Lopez, Fernando Verdasco, uh, I believe Denis Shapovalov is left-handed as well. I could be wrong about that. I don't think that they are um, lefties, but he's left-handed. Sebastian is. Cameron Norrie's left-handed. Cameron is okay. He plays left-handed, two-handed, backhand. I so honestly have like sometimes you'll get to a tennis tournament and you will not see. Okay, yeah, Sebastian's right-handed. So that's, that's an interesting matchup, playing a, a, a lefty against a righty. Because that lefty serve has a different spin on it than a, a right-handed player's serve. So um, it's, it all depends on how Cameron, uh, how Corda handles that. And he handled it pretty well in that first um, meeting, obviously coming away with the win. I just find that match intriguing. Corda is a young up-and-coming star. I wouldn't say that the American players are not all suck, but they're not at that elite level where they're gonna like challenge to win slams on a consistent I basis. Let me be honest. Let me be honest with all our viewers and to you. I don't know Jag nothing about tennis. I'm learning every day. I know some, don't know all. I've been told that the Americans are lacking. This isn't the Americans of the nineties and the early two thousands. Like no, Pete Sampras, yeah, Pete Sampras ain't walking through that door. That's what I was told. All right, you know what? I expect Pete Sampras out of an American. I love Pete Sampras just because I because I, I love saying his last name, Sampras, Sampras, Sampras. But that's the only reason I love him. Uh, and you know the Mac and Roll boys, you know they're a bunch of monsters emotionally and humanly, just horrible people. Uh, I'm kidding. I love they're you, John. Not horrible people. No, they're not. John and Patrick are, are 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 cool guys. They're cool guys. And then you know there's Jimmy Connors. Um, uh, but yeah, like uh, I'm, I'm learning tennis every single day. I know something. I'm not gonna sit here and act like, oh yeah, I'm an expert in tennis. I know everything about. This. I don't know nothing. I know yeah. some. I don't know all. Um, and I want to learn. That's why this this podcast for me to learn from Adelia, probably from Corey Dagan. You know what I mean? They they know more tennis than me. They've been watching tennis for years. I've been watching tennis on and off for the past five years. I watched the big matches. Like, I watched Serena versus Naomi 
you know, when they were at the Australian Open, I believe they fought, they faced each other. US Open. Um, US Open. Like I, I watched that. Like was like you know, like the US Open with um um Alana Hernandez. Hernandez. Alana Hernandez. Who is Alana Hernandez? No, no, the Canadian, the Canadian lady. Bianca Andrescu. No, no, no. The other Canadian lady, the one with the oh, Layla Fernandez. Layla, Layla Fernandez. Fernandez. See, so Layla, like Layla, Layla Fernandez, Brianna um, Andrescu, uh, Emily Raducanu, like those. I watched that one because did I say her name right? Emma Raducanu. What did I say? Emily. Emma Raducanu. Sorry, Emma. I'm sorry. I apologize. She's a Lewis Hamilton fan. How am I supposed to do that? I do some of these names. Today, they're gonna be hard. I think it'll be hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You will learn uh, very quickly, Ferris, why Brad yeah. Gilbert has nicknames. Oh, exactly. Brad Gilbert does have nicknames. I've been told he gives a lot of people nicknames. Uh, but yeah, like, 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 you know, two unranked teenagers going at the U.S. Open. You're like, what? I gotta watch this. So I watched it, and I watched it. They're like, they're all the matches. Like, this is amazing. Who are these women? You know, one's a Brit, one's a Canadian at the U.S. Both Open. Both them teenagers. Both of them teenagers. It was it was phenomenal. And I'm like, I gotta start watching tennis more. And this is what this is the birth of this this podcast. This is me. It's the highlight sports show. Ferris Mutana learning tennis. It is the highlight sports show. Major recap with Adelia. Yeah, she will be. I am the Padawan. She is the Jedi Master. And we <laughs> shall and I shall learn. All right, Adelia. Let's move on. Right. It is world number twenty three ranked. Twenty three ranked. Twenty three. Yeah, but he's, he's twenty one seed. Yeah, because he got bumped up. Uh, Nicolos Basashvili. Basilashvili. Okay, you know what? Um, okay, uh, versus Andy Murray. I know how to say Andy Murray. Okay, Andy, Andy Murray. Murray uh, uh, formerly of the Big Four, now it's really just a Big Three. Because uh, Murray, you know, has lost all capabilities in his what back, I believe. Hip. He had hip surgery. Yeah, he had hip surgery. I wouldn't say he's lost all capabilities, but yeah. he's definitely not challenging at the level that he was prior to the hip issues starting. Yeah. Um, I feel like this one, Murray's ranked 135 in the world, mm-hmm. um, which is a lot lower, obviously, than Basilashvili. But yeah, uh, yeah, Murray, yeah. Very... Murray has a 2 0 head record against uh, Nicolas, and he beat him just this week in Sydney, a warm-up tournament in Sydney, mm-hmm. um, which can mean things and can mean nothing because they yeah. could get to this first-round match and Basilashvili wins. But um, I think it's a good sign. Murray made it to the final of the Sydney tournament. He didn't end up winning, but that's a real confidence booster for him. Um, Basilashvili obviously is very good. Um, he's... Georgian, I believe. Georgian, nice. From the country Georgia, and um, he's not from he's, Atlanta. No, he's oh. he's not from Atlanta. <laughs> um, I believe he's from the country of Georgia, and he um, he's got a very interesting game, uh, but it's it's one that matches up with Murray's nicely, which is why I think Murray's had success against him. Andy mm-hmm. Murray always seems to show up in Australia and give some epic matches. And the one thing about Andy Murray that I love and appreciate, even before he had his hip basically like completely remade, he's got like a, he had this like hip surgery where they resurfaced the bones of his hip and stuff. Like it, it sounds horrible to come back from, but he's come back from it. He's playing really well. 
and um Murray will give a hundred and fifty percent in this match. Like I've never seen Andy Murray give up in a match at Australia at least. So I think that'll be a good one. I can see that being on one of the the show courts, which is one of the courts that has a roof on it, not one of the outer courts. And uh, we'll see how that one goes. I did. I forgot to ask you this question uh, in the Corda Nori breakdown we had a couple minutes ago. Okay. What what are their two play styles? Like like Nick like Nicholas does he like is he a big serve guy? Like is he a, is he a, does he make you does he do a lot of net play? Like what is like how does he play the game? Um, not many players have a lot of net play anymore. Okay. Everybody seems to, for the most part, with the exception of some players and unfortunately most of the Americans, have a really good all around game where they can play at the net. They can play from the back of the court. They have a good serve. They have a good. Uh, they have a weapon, either their forehand or their backhand, and then um, it, they're just all-around players. Vasilashvili is one of them. Like you kind of can't reach the levels of the game that uh, he can reach um, if you don't have that all-around game anymore. Because if you're just relying on one weapon then you're really easy to figure out. And it might be hard to break you down at first, but they will find a way. Because if you don't have good speed, then they'll make you run. If you don't have a, a good net play, then they'll bring you forward. It, it, everybody is either pretty, all, pretty well-rounded once you get to the top of the, the game. I'd say that top 25, which is where Basilashvili is. Andy Murray has phenomenal ability to cover the court. He's not as fast as he once was, I think, because of the hip issues. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard to break Andy Murray down because he can run. So, uh, still, still. Wow, that's crazy. Even with a new knee, I mean, a new a new hip as well. <laughs> yeah, um, but I think that the. Um, I think they just I think they're gonna match up well for Murray. I'm an Andy Murray fan and I want to see him do well. It was at this tournament in twenty nineteen, I believe it was, where he basically said he thought that was his last tournament because of his hip issues, to the point where they put together a video package of everybody wishing him well in retirement and played it after he lost his, his match that year. So um, I'm really glad just to see him here in 2022 down in Australia and playing well as obvious as evidenced by his tournament in Sydney. All right, all right. Um, why this match, Adelia? Why why highlight this match? I think uh, one of the reasons I highlighted this match is because they just played. Okay. Because sometimes that will set the tone of, oh, I can't beat this guy right now. He's playing too well. He beat me in Sydney, da-da-da. Or it can either make Basilashvili, you know, a little bit more determined to beat him now. Got you. Got you. Um, they're, they're in an interesting part of the draw where the winner um, plays either Taro Daniel or Tomos Berius, Berius Vera. I probably butchered that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So a lot, so a lot of butchering of names on this podcast. Yeah, there is. Those are both qualifiers into the tournament. So they had to. They either both of those guys have already played three matches before they even play their first round match. So mm-hmm. that's a pretty winnable second round match for e- either Basilashvili or Andy Murray. And then um, they're in a, a little section of the draw where their third round opponent would probably the seeded player there is Yannick Sinner who's the young kid from Italy. So um, that's just a, a good opportunity, I think, in that section of the draw for one of these two guys to make it to the third round. All right, all right. So let's move on. Uh, the third match we've, we highlighted at Delia was Dan Evans versus David Goffin. 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 I thought it was a David coffin. Go- I thought it was a coffin, Goffin. So go- it, it, Goffin. Uh, David both 30- Goffin, yeah. Oh, David Goffin. Yeah, what he's he? Belgian. He's oh, Belgian. He's Belgian. Okay, that explains a lot. Uh, uh, Dan Evans, World 26. A Goffin, World 45. Uh, head-to-head, Evans, 2-0. Why this match, Um, I think that uh, they match up well together, obviously. Um, it's another one about the section of the draw that they're in. They... Uh, the winner of this match would play either Alexi Poprin, who's Australian, or Arthur Rinderneck, who's a Frenchman. Um, that's a winnable match for either of these guys. Gofan plays really well in Australia. He's a 2017 quarterfinalist. Um, Dan Evans has is he's British. He's had a very interesting journey that has included a year suspension for failing a drug test, and he's made it all the way back to being in the top uh, 30 top in the drugs. ranking. PEDs, uh, cocaine, actually. Okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was a whole thing. Um, they're in a little section of the draw with uh, Felix Ojeali Asim. Um, Felix obviously is the favorite in that section, but yeah, he is. Let's go, Felix. <laughs> uh, like if, if the winner of that match, you can see the popper in a Rinderneck. Uh, the winner of that match would be against. Um, either Felix or a Finnish man, uh, Emil Rusuvori. I probably butchered man, don't, that. Don't, don't even try to know his name because he's going to lose to Felix. Felix he's going to win. He's going to lose to Felix. And then the other match in that section is Alejandro Davidovich Fokina versus Alex Bolt. Alex Bolt, a, an Aussie wild card. So I think that this, this Dan Evans-David Goffin match, the winner of that match has a really good chance of getting to the third round to beat Felix, if it's Dan Evans that wins this match and gets to that third round, I think he'd be a really good matchup for Felix. Um, I think he'd have a better chance against him than David Goffin would, but I like watching David Goffin play. Uh, He's probably best on a clay court, but he's played very well on hard courts before, and uh, I think the fact that they're both 31 years old um, they're at similar stages of their career in that respect. They've been playing, you know, for a while now and they're getting towards the end of that career. Cause like, I'd say they both probably have maybe five or six, you know, good years left in them on the single tour, which is generally about what it would be for most players at this stage. And, uh, 
I just find this to be an interesting matchup. To be perfectly honest with you, Ferris, there are not many matchups in the first round of the men's draw that I'm like, oh, I really want to watch that. Now, that's not to say there's not going to be good matches, because there will be. But, like, a lot of the names in the men's draw, I'm just not as familiar with as, say, names in the women's draw. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Because, honestly, in the, like, no offense to the men, it's it's been dominated by three men. It's Roger, Rafa, yeah. Joker. Yeah, and then, like, we could talk about, like, Daniil Medvedev, who just won the U.S. Open, but he's mm-hmm. playing against Henry Laksonen, who is a Swiss man who has always been, like, the third best Swiss guy behind Federer and Vavrinka. So he, I don't give him much of a chance. That's how and... you say his last name? Vavrinka? Vavrinka, yeah. I say Wawrinka. You know, because no, it's W-A-W. I know, it's I know. I, I know. I'm just saying, like, I saw his name up. It's like W-A-W, right? R-I-N-K. I'd be like, wow, Rinka. That's a name right there. Wow, wow Rinka. Rinka. Yeah. That's, that's, I, was like, I was like, that's how you say it, right? And then, yeah. you know, not knowing that Swiss people don't say their names like they're spelled, you moron. Yeah. It's it's Vavrinka. <laughs> You're like, oh, that makes sense. Wow, yeah. Rinka sounds stupid. He, when he Stand first brought- weaker. He, he's Stanislas Vavrinka when Can't he first see? came onto the stage, see? but he has legally changed it to Stan. I understand. Come on, man. So people man. just call him Stan. Man, I, Stanislas is a great name. You know, it's a great I, used name. Call, I used to call him the Wild Man. I was like, "Hey, it's the Wild Man right there," because <laughs> because like, Wild Rinka. I was like, um, "Wild Rinka," like Wild and like Rinka, Wild Winka. Like I would be like, "Oh, like, hey, this the Wild Man," but really, it's like Stan the Man. But like, I was like, "Oh, me." I prefer the wild man, you know what I mean? But it yeah. is what it is. Yeah. Shout out to Stan. Even if you're not, you're probably not even going to watch this podcast, Stan, but, you know, shout out to you, dog. Shout uh, out to Stan. Yeah. All right, Adelia. Now, the last male match we're going to highlight is Liam Brody. Brody? Brody. Liam Brody versus the Australian bad boy himself, Nick Curious. Curious. Yes, Nick Curious. The man Tom Rinaldi smoked. <laughs> In a verbal spec. Yeah, that guy. Tom Rinaldi's, he calls Tom Rinaldi daddy. That's what he calls him. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, so it is world number, it is world 127 for Liam Brody and world 140, uh, 114 for uh, Nick Karios. They've never played. Uh, Karios, the Australian. Uh, what, what do you, like, why this match? What, what, uh, what, what possessed you to be like, uh, yeah, Karyos. Let's watch his Karyos match. Um, Liam Brody, I think, has never qualified for the Australian Open before. I think I saw that on Twitter. Mm-hmm. He was overcome with emotion when he did qualify. I saw that video. And um, Kyrgios always plays well in Australia. It's not Better. to say he's always on the best behavior in Australia. I just think he sometimes is on better behavior in Australia than he would be normally. And he gets a little bit more of a break because he's in Australia. Um, this match will probably be on... I don't know what the name of the court is right now. They, I swear every time that they're there, they change the name. Last year, I believe it was just called Melbourne Arena. It's like the secondary court. They tried to make Margaret Court Arena the secondary court. It's not. This other arena is the secondary court. I th- why? why? Why would they do that to Margaret Court? Court. Margaret Court Court. Margaret Court is not the greatest of people. Oh, oh, it's, oh, it's, oh, her. Yeah, okay. 
I know, I know, I know, I know, I know the cat. Okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so is so the is the main is the main her, court the main court is Rod Laver. That's the main main court, court is Rod Laver Arena. Rod Laver okay. Arena is like Arthur Ashe Stadium is to the U.S. Okay. All right, good. The, the secondary court for a long time was Melbourne Arena. I, I don't know what it's called right now. Let me look that up real quick while I'm talking. Um then they have the then they have like secondary outdoor arenas. They right? have out they have plenty of outdoor courts. Yeah. Majority of the matches will be on the outdoor courts. Uh John Kane Arena is I believe the uh So the, the finals now. the finals will be on will be in Rod Laver. Yes, the finals. Okay. So everything from the semifinals on will be in Rod Laver Arena. Got you. All right. Cool. Um, but this court that I, th- I suspect uh, this Kyrgios Brody match will be on—that's the Kyrgios's favorite court. Um, it does not require uh, tickets. So, like, if you have a grounds pass and you stand in line and get lucky, you can make it into this court to watch oh, the wow. matches there. Wow. Okay. Uh, so it's always a pretty raucous atmosphere, and Kyrgios feeds on that. It gets wild in there. A little bit, yeah. yeah. It, it, Kyrgios feeds on that, and it's his favorite court, and you can tell it's his favorite court. Um, I think that's where that match will be played. I'm pretty sure it'll be a night match because it's Kyrgios. Um, I just think that the similarity in age and rankings – Plus the atmosphere that is sure to be there because the Australian people love Nick Kyrgios. Some of them don't, obviously, because of his behavior. But when it comes to the Australian Open, those fans in Melbourne seem to really love Nick Kyrgios. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to the atmosphere around the match. Plus, I think these guys can put on a pretty good show. Yeah. I may I may reference Jimmy Connors once or twice because I did I did just watch his thirty for thirty, uh, and I'm kind of like kind of semi obsessed with the guy, you know. He's he's great, uh, Jimmy Connors. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Um, again, Adelia, I forgot to ask you about Dan uh, Dan Evans and David Goffin's games. Who do you think has the edge here in their games? Like, you know, like what what's the deciding factor? I think Kyrgios probably has the edge. I honestly don't know uh, off the top of my head be able to say too much about how Liam Brody plays. I haven't really seen him play all that much. Kyrgios has an incredible game. Like if Kyr- The thing about Nick Kyrgios is that if he... I don't want to say cared because I think he does care. But if he like put in the work and the effort and wasn't just so focused on um, entertaining... If he actually like won, well, may, wanted, to, wanted to win, wanted to win more. Like he he cares, I think, the most about putting on a good show for the people that are there to watch. And I think if he cared more about actually winning the match, that he'd be much higher in the rankings. Uh, his ranking is pretty low because he stayed in Australia. He hasn't been playing um, because of COVID and mm. not wanting to travel the world. Um, and I can respect that. I can totally respect that. Um, but he has the he has a an incredible game. He's incredibly talented. He is a showman. He he'll come up with some shots that you just will not understand, like how he did it. Like it's insane. Like a match between him and Gael Monfils would just like break my mind. <laughs> the they should play each that, other. Why I, not? I hope they do. 
Like I have never witnessed that match. If it is, if it has happened, I don't know if it's happened or not. He's also but an A one. He's also an A one trash talker. He is. Yeah, he is. I can't believe he said that to that dude. That's wild. He did. He said that to Vavrinka a yeah, long time a, ago. Let's yeah. not reference it any further. Yeah, exactly. That's wild. Um, That's wild, dude. That's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. Sorry, Delia. It's okay. Um, I think that that has uh, the makings to be a good match. All right. All right. So we just completed the, the, the four highlighted men's matches. Now let's go to the other side. The women, uh, the women, the phenomenal women of the uh, of the Australian Open. Let's start with the first match is Belinda Bashon, Benchich, Benchich versus Christina Maladonovic, 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 Maladonovic. Yes, I said that. Maladonovic. Denovich. Mladenovich. Yeah, you got it right now. All right. Uh, age 24 for uh, Double B. And uh, I'm not going to say her name anymore. And uh, and for Christina, she's age 28. Uh, Belinda, ranked 22 in the world. Uh, and Mlad- Mladenovich is 88 in the world. 4-3 uh, in the edge of Mladenovich. Dang. How does Brad Gilbert... Brad Gilbert just give people nicknames, man. Gosh, gosh darn it. <laughs> this I guess is I give why people, Brad Gilbert, Gilbert gives people gives nicknames. nicknames. Uh, yes, Adelia, why this match? Why between these two these two young ladies? Belinda Bencic is an incredibly talented player. Like she is, she had uh, Martina Hingis's mother was her coach for an extraordinarily long time. Who's that? Who's Martina Hingis? Martina Hingis is one of the greatest female players that there ever has been. Like top five near Martina Navratilova. Like, what are we doing? Christy Everett. I'd put her top 10 pretty close okay. to number five okay. in my personal rankings. Um, she basically dominated women's tennis until Venus and Serena came along. Oh, wow. So, oh, shoosh. Um, shoosh. Martina was very good. And her mother, Melanie Molitor, was Belinda's coach for a very long time. And uh, they're not together anymore. Not not anymore. Um, but uh, Belinda plays a lot like how Martina played with her craftiness on court. But um, she's also she's able to hit with the the modern players. Like one of the reasons why I think Martina Hingis retired is because these ladies started crushing the ball. Because that's what Venus and Serena were doing, and Venus and Serena were winning everything. And so the games evolved, but Belinda sort of evolved with it. And it, it, it's amazing to me that Belinda's only 24, because she's been around for quite some time now. Um, but the thing that intrigues me the most about this matchup is that Mladenovic has the head-to-head edge. Because I was not expecting that when I looked this up. I was like, oh, it's got to be... It's got to be Belinda's got the, the edge to this quite heavily. No. Christina is a very good player. She just doesn't have the focus necessarily sometimes on court. Um, she loses early in a lot of tournaments. But at the same time, she'll come up with a big win every once in a while. She made it uh, quite high in the rankings a few years ago. And she slipped back down. Um 
But I that head-to-head -head tells me this is going to be a really good match. Yeah. Um, who do you think has the edge in this match? Belinda? You going with Belinda? Bel Belinda should win this match, but I, Christina will give her a run for her money, I think. All right, so going Belinda. All right. Uh, okay, all right. So now, Adelia, the second match we are highlighting is uh, Sophie Keenan. Sophia Kennan. Sophie. Uh, so, ah. Sophia Kennan yes. versus Madison Keys. Yes. Uh, Madison Keys is 26. Kennan, 23. Uh, Kennan, World 13. Uh, Keys, World 51. 2 1 Keys advantage. But Kennan, the 2020 Australian Open champion. This is the defending champion. Not and defending I, champion. Naomi's the defending champion. This is 2022. She won oh, in 2020. Sorry. You know what? What's time? What's time? What's <laughs> time, time is nothing anymore. Time is nothing. One, an Australian champ, the Australian, one of, uh, one of the Australian open champions, you know, I don't know how yes. many they are in the years, but one of them, she is one of them. She'll go down in history as one of them. And uh, who hasn't played since 2019? Keys? They haven't played each other since 2019. I haven't played each other. So, so, so it's a, oh, okay. So Adelia, why this match and who has the edge? This is an intriguing battle to me because uh, they both crush the ball. Sophia Kennan will go out there. She has an attitude on court. She is in control. She is in charge. And she plays like it. Um, she has struggled since uh, of reaching that level she was at when she won the Australian Open since she won the Australian Open. And Madison reached the U.S. Open final. She was uh, the finalist the year Sloane Stevens won. So Sloane's the one that beat her. And um, her ranking has slipped down. But Madison seems to have come into 2022 with a new attitude. I saw some quotes online that she's just decided to stop focusing on the number next to her name as far as ranking goes and all of that. And she's just there to chill and have fun and give off some good vibes. Um Madison won a tournament in Adelaide this week. So she's coming into this with some good form. I, I'm i just looking forward to seeing this matchup based on their games because there's going to be some hard-hitting rallies in this match. So, uh, so you're saying both of them have like a, a like wait, phenomenal backhand, forehand, serve. What are we doing? What do you mean hard-hitting rallies? It, they crush the ball, which means uh, they will hit it harder than a lot of people on tour um it'll it there will be some very long rallies in this match i think but they're because like they will also end rallies really quickly at the same time because they will always try to go for winners um so instead of just hitting another rally shot and getting the ball back across the net and setting up for the next shot they'll try to hit a ball that ends the point that's what a winner is so I'm so, I'm really looking forward to this match. When I first looked at the women's draw, this was the first match that caught my eye. And I was like, okay, give me that match. Night match on Rod Laver, please. I don't know that we're getting that, but that's what I want to see. Who has the edge, Adelia? Is it is it is it uh Kennan? I'd give the edge to Kennan. Although with Madison winning in Adelaide this week, um, I could see her pulling this out 
she does have the edge head to head in the head to head Madison, but like I said, they haven't played in three years. So Sophia's kind of a different player since she, you know, reached that achievement of becoming a Grand Slam champion. So I think it'll be just a fascinating matchup. What do you mean a different player? Like, what do you mean? Like, good, bad? What are you talking about? Oh, good. In a good uh-huh. way. But, like, I don't think Sophia was quite at the level of um, being an 11th ranked player in the world, 11th seed at a slam in the top 10 in the world, because I know she's been there before. She was sort of ascending to that, but she hadn't reached that level until she hit the, she won the Australian Open in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, she's come down a little bit since that lo- since then, but she's obviously working to get back up. Um, but like, it's hard to say she's gone down when she's still the 13th ranked player in the world. She just hasn't necessarily been as consistent, I guess I'd say. Mm-hmm. Madison sometimes is all over the place. Um, her matches can be roller coasters, but um, I think she's coming into the new season with a good attitude, and this win she had in Adelaide this week really uh, is a good sign. Mm-hmm. If you're a Madison, this, this, this is why I like about this podcast. It's just it's just two fans, well, I, 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 an avid fan and a new fan just talking tennis. We're just talking. This. We're not experts. We probably don't know what we're talking about. We're not about. experts at all. Yeah, and I could be yeah. completely wrong about all of this. Yeah. This is, this is exactly, my perspective. So, exactly. Because I just I just imagine, man, like, you know, homies, you're sitting, out, you're sitting on your couch talking some tennis. You just, you, sometimes you just be saying stuff. You know, you know what I mean? You don't know. Nobody knows. That's what I love about this, man. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna find out together. We will find out together. together. We're going to find out together. We're going to find out together. And speaking of finding out, we shall find out if Emma Raducanu's U.S. Open run, was it a fluke or is it a beginning of something special for a young woman's career? This third match you've highlighted, Adelia, it is Emma Raducanu versus an American that was supposed to take the mantle from the from the Williams sisters, but didn't. Sloan Stevens, it is Raducanu, World 18 Raducanu. And World 67, Sloan Stevens never played each other. Both former U.S. Open champions. But this isn't the U.S. Open. It's the Australian Open. Are we about to see a burgeoning star in tennis in Emma? Or will Sloan Stevens delay that hype train? Adelia, what do you think? I think this is fascinating for that exact reason. Uh, when Sloan Stevens won the U.S. Open, it was sort of supposed to be set her on this like trajectory to the top. And that didn't exactly happen. Sloan did meet, reach the finals of the French Open the following year. But um, she's sort of fallen off from that. You know, like we said, rank 67 in the world. Um, she's newly married, which is nothing in terms of tennis, but sometimes can be a off-court distraction in some people's eyes. Um, I don't think it is. I think people that say things like that are distractions or idiots. Like she's allowed to have a life away from the tennis court and Josie good on Altador, her. her. Josie her, Altador, her husband. Her yeah, husband. Amer- striker American. Love you, Josie. Um, God, I miss I it. honestly, I honestly think Josie is one of the reasons why she sort of focused and became a Grand Slam champion because she saw the dedication that he puts in uh, to soccer for Toronto, and, Toronto and, and for Toronto FC and the U.S. national team and sort of um, took that dedication and sort of applied it to herself. And she got very good and she won the U S open. And then the pressure I think got to her after that, because it was like, okay, we finally have another American woman. 
who mm-hmm. can win a slam. Yeah. And it was, it was only the Williams sisters. It was like, we have the Williams sisters. And pretty much been, only the Williams sisters. Yeah. And we've been looking for someone else. It was it was her, and then now it's Coco. And now but it's it was Coco. Her, yeah, now it's Coco. And, you know, Coco is still, what, 18, 19? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, like, let's be real. Like, Serena Williams didn't win anything until she was 18. So yeah. we'll see if we'll see if Coco is on that trajectory as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this match uh, is going to be fascinating because this is where we start to see how Emma Raducanu handles pressure. Because like she played some tournaments, obviously after the U.S. Open final last year, but they weren't Grand Slam tournaments. This is the biggest tournament she's played since the U.S. Open, and um, she's in a pretty good section of the draw. Um, the winner will play either a, a South Korean qualifier or a De- Danka Kovinich, Kov- Kovinich from Montenegro, um, which I think is a winnable match for either Emma or Sloan. They're in the same little section of the draw as Simona Halep. That's the third round I want to see. Either Emma versus Simona or Sloan versus Simona would be excellent matches. Um, Simona Halep, two-time Grand Slam winner. She beat uh, Serena Williams at the French in what I would only describe as a perfect match. She destroyed Serena in that match. So I want to see how that goes. Um, Sloan, I think, obviously has the experience edge here. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's quite possible that Emma has the enough of the... Um, the current edge to win that match. But because we've never seen them play, we don't know how their game styles match up against each other. And it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I have a question about that. Who has the broadcasting rights for the French open? Uh, Tennis channel and NBC. Ah, man. I'm going to watch the Simone Halep match. I've never watched that match. Did she systematically destroy Serena Williams? That was the Wimbledon final. Oh, well, you just said the French Open. She won the French Open. Simona Halep won the French Open. Okay. But then uh, a couple years later, she systematically dismantled Serena in the Wimbledon final. I'll find a place you can watch it. And, I'm going to watch match. that. Yeah, because yeah. I've, I've never, ever heard someone systematically destroy Serena Williams. I think she beat her 6-1, 6-1. I could be slightly off in that. What? Story. Yeah. What? She Serena Williams? destroyed Serena in that match. Whoa! Yeah. I gotta watch this match. I gotta watch I'll find, this match. I'll find a way for you to watch it. I gotta I'll watch this match. All right. Um, so, Adelia, who do, you, who do you think has the edge? Are you going Raducanu? Are you going Raducanu? I'm going Raducanu. Um, why? I, why, why? Why are we going Raducanu? I think that she has a wave of confidence that Sloan doesn't have at the moment. Uh-huh. Um, not to say that... Uh, Sloan can't come in here riding high. She just got married. She's obviously in a good place emotionally because of that. Um, But I think Emma maybe has had a little bit more time to focus strictly on the tennis. Not that, and like I said a a few minutes ago, not that getting married is a distraction because I'm not trying to say that whatsoever, but Sloan uh, in the off season was obviously putting the finishing touches on a wedding, getting married. I assume her and Josie had some sort of a honeymoon somewhere. Like I understand that um, all of those things happened. And in the meantime, Emma's just training for the Australian open. So 
I think Emma has the edge, but I'm really looking forward to that match. Do you think it's going to get her? Because at the U.S. Open, no one knew who the hell Emma was. Yeah, who the hell is Emma? But now at the Australian Open, people got they got that bullseye on her back. Like they know who she is, and they know that she is uh, basically Britain's new tennis person, basically. Yeah, I, mean, I think yeah. Because yeah, does Britain have women that they cheer for? Is that... um, the only there's there's obviously British women playing on the tour. Yeah, there's yeah. Heather Watson. There's Harriet Dart. There's Katie Bolter. There's a few others. Uh, the main uh, one from Britain that has gotten results in the last uh, I don't know I'd say five six years has been Joanna Conta, um, but uh, she has Any never. Majors? Any majors? No, no majors. No majors. Okay. She made it to the semifinals at Wimbledon, I believe. Um, she's made it to the quarterfinals in Australia. I'm not even sure she's playing this tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, but so she is. She is Britain's new hope, basically. Emma's Britain's new hope. Yes. So, so Br- Emma coming yeah. on the scene. Um, Britain, British women haven't made won a major since Virginia Wade won Wimbledon in the 70s, I think. So it's not quite as long of a time as it was for the men when Andy Murray came along because the men's side hadn't been won since the 30s at Wimbledon. And nobody had won a major in any of the major sets for the men. Um, I think that uh, there have been some for the women that have won, uh, like I said, Virginia Wade. But I don't think it's been since like the 70s. It's been a while. So um, Until Until the U.S. Open. Um, and Emma won, uh-huh. which she's she's 19 years old now. Um, I think that it's entirely possible that she's at that place where she can continue to grow and she's in a state mentally to do that, or she'll get overwhelmed by the pressure, especially if she starts to go further in this tournament, uh-huh. that pressure's going to build. Because one thing that I will say about the British uh, media is that she will be on the front page every day she does a match, every you know move she makes at Wimbledon especially, will, she will be all over the front pages of the paper. So um, that's a lot of pressure to put on someone that young. And I could, she will either thrive under it or she will crumble. And I think that we will start to find out how that will go with this match with Sloan. Okay. She did not get an easy first round match. Sloan is oh, no, not an easy out. Yeah, it's uh, like I always say, pressure either makes a diamond or pressure cracks and destroys the coal. We will see. Will she will she be broken coal or shine and will she gonna be a diamond shining bright in the sky? You know what I mean? That's what she'll be. Yeah, and she's shown that she can handle pressure because she handled yeah. the pressure in New York for the US Open. But yeah. That's a different kind of pressure than she'll be under in, in Melbourne. All right. Now, our last match, Delia, is Donna Vicic. Vekic. Vekic versus Allison Risky. Risk. 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 Just risk. I know. Risky sounds better. Uh, <laughs> Allison Risk. Uh, Vekic, age 25. Risk, age 31. Vekic, 79 overall. Risky. Risk. Sorry. Risk. Uh, 46 overall. It's 3-2 Vekic. Adelia, why this match? And who do you have? Uh, Donna Vekic 
has slipped down the rankings considerably. She used to be one of the seeds uh, not that long ago. I'd even say so far as last Australian Open, she was seeded, if I recall correctly. I could be wrong about that. Um, Allison Risk just lost to Madison Keys in the final in Adelaide. But the one thing I've noticed about their head-to-head was they've always played close matches. Even if it was a straight sets win for one or the other, it was still a close match. It was like 7-5 in that second set. Um, and there's no blowouts between them. They they look like, from looking at their head-to-head, they have all been quality matches. I've seen them play one match. That match went to a third set, and it was incredible. I think they have the, the capabilities of putting on an extraordinarily high-quality match. I think it's going to be very interesting. Um, they're in another section of the draw where the winner will play either um, Aliona Ostapenko, or, uh, which I believe is Yelena Ostapenko. I think they've just got her name written as Aliona on the draw. And uh, Anna Karolina Shmidlova. Uh, if that is Yelena Ostapenko, which it probably is. I don't, there's no other two players on tour with the last name Ostapenko that I'm aware of. Um, that would be, she, Yelena Ostapenko's won the French Open before. Okay. I'm not sure that's Yelena Ostapenko, though. So. That's um, another Ostapenko. Could be. I'm gonna look it up right now. Um, but yeah. uh, speaking of that, Adelia, I just was. You said something. Uh, you said a third set. Um, when I was watching the Jimmy Connors documentary, it, it showed yeah. that the men went to five sets yes. and the women goes to three sets. Is it best yeah. out of three and best out of five? Yes, best out of three, best out of five. So for yeah. the women to win, they have to win two sets of the match. Mm-hmm. The men have and to win three. The men have to win three. Okay. That is only at the slams. Okay. In other regular tournament uh, play, they're all best of three men or women. Okay. But why is my well, keyboard not? Well, hold up! Isn't isn't like the, the the finals best out of five in both red genders? No, it's best out of three for the women too. Mm-hmm. So the men at the tournament at Grand Slams, so the Aussie French Open, uh, Wimbledon, and the U.S. Open, all of their matches are best out of five. What's the justification in that? Um, I have no idea. Okay. And yes. there are a bunch of people that think it's ridiculous that they're best uh-huh. out of five and that they all should be playing best out of three. Um, I personally, I like the um, best out of five uh, for the men. I like watching these matches. Okay, yeah, it is Yelena Ostapenko. Um, I like the best out of uh, five matches for the men mainly because I think it provides um, some drama towards the later stages of a tournament when you get these, like... Fatigue. F- when you Fatigue sets in, but it yeah. also shows conditioning and mm-hmm. how um, prepared you are to go the distance. Seven matches in a two-week span is actually not as big of a deal as it sounds because if you play a regular tournament, you're playing five matches in six days or something like that, mm-hmm. and you're playing every day. This uh, Grand Slams, you have to play, win seven matches in a two-week span to win the tournament, but you get a day off in between each match, basically. So sometimes, depending on the match schedule, when you reach the semifinals, you'll get two days off. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a matter of uh, conditioning. It's a matter of how you pace a match. Like, you don't go too hard out of the gate to win that first set. But you still try, you know, so you have room uh, in your reserves if you reach the fifth set. 
Mm-hmm. Especially if it's really hot conditions like can happen in Melbourne. Like Melbourne is the only tournament that I have ever seen be stopped because it's too hot out. Mm. They, they will, if it reaches a certain temperature level, like it will reach 40 degrees Celsius and higher down there because it's the middle of summer down there right now. And at a certain point, they will stop matches on the outer courts and they will close the roofs on the other courts so that play can continue on the other courts with the roofs, but nobody's playing in that really, really hot sunshine. Mm-hmm. So that's where conditioning why, comes into play, so too. Why don't they just put five for everybody? I don't know. I, I don't, I don't do understand that. the difference. They should do um, it. Probably, it's probably that, you know, that... uh. That that scientific thing where like oh the men can handle it more the women can't handle it, it blah be. blah blah yeah, and I don't believe be. that nonsense because I don't believe that nonsense why not let the women play five matches they add another layer of conditioning and then we'll find out who who's actually great and on the women's section you know some women yeah. probably are usually dominate certain women very quickly and you know thoroughly like oh boom I, I blaze in for two sets I blaze it in. But then, like, they're so tired after two sets, but they've already won two sets. They're good, right? But if you add for the fifth set, they lose set number three. They lose set number two, set number four. And then, boom, it has another layer of strategy, just like just like the men. And then it shows, like, the certain women win more because those women, like, like that's a hypothetical situation. Serena's one of those front runners. She's one of those front runners who just comes in, takes you out. But if, yeah. if they force Serena to play five sets and she wastes her energy taking out the first two sets, she then loses the next three. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and then like, then Serena has to like change the way she plays. Like what if like Naomi Osaka was a front runner or Maria Sharapova or, or Martina Navratilova, Chrissy Everett. I feel like those women dominated other women because they would take them out quickly and they would be tired, but the match is already over. They've already, yeah. they've already taken two sets. Oh, now I can go home and relax. But I'm I'm dead tired. But let's say they force Martina to play a third set. You have to play a third set, Martina. How many matches Martina wins? We don't know. Like I'm not saying Martina Navratilova is like horrible, and I, I don't know that much. But like let's add that extra layer, right? Chrissy Everett. You know what I mean? They force her to play that third set. You know, and she, you know, like ex- already wasted so much energy. How many how many championships does Christy or Martina actually win? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they're only told, to, you know, because it's it, and it, like you know, you gotta conserve energy. You know what I mean? Because I've seen matches, Adelia. I've watched. I, I remember. I, I remember watching a match where the man wins the first two sets, and the first two sets took a lot of out of him because they were hard fought sets. He lost the last, the next three. The next he lost three, them yeah. straight. He lost like he lost them, and it wasn't like oh he lost them like no, it was like six four, six four, six three. And I'm like whoa, what the fuck just happened? You know what yeah. I mean? Because he won the first two sets, I think six, seven, five, six, four, but they were like a tough seven, five, six, four. So, like, what if they had that in the women? We find out certain women have horrible conditioning, and they yeah. lose sets late. And the women that you're like, whoa, I thought Simone Halep was gonna win this match, but then you realize she has horrible conditioning and she lost in five sets, and it, and then it forces them to evolve and change their diet, their preparation, their conditioning. And either you're going to be, either you change and evolve with the game and you become great, or those women, just like what uh, Martina Hingis, realized, I can't play this game anymore. I got to go. 
because I can't handle the serve. And then some of these women, like, I can't handle the conditioning. I got to leave. The serve women are going to be able to handle it because guess what? I know there's a biological difference between men and women. There is. That's a fact. That's a fact. There's a fact. But it's not like it's a cavern. You know what I mean? You know, it's not like it's not like you're playing a man five sets. You know, you're playing other women in five sets. So it's it's the it's the difference between women, not between between man and woman. You know, and we, and we all know that in certain tennis, you know, men women can beat men. Shout out to Billie Jean King. Shout out to you, girl. Like some women can beat the men. So sometimes it's the other way around. The women are more fit than the men, and they win. You know what I mean? This is the only sport where you can say you can play a woman and a man in a match one-on-one. This is the only sport. That in, yeah. that in basketball. That in basketball. You know? Um, you know? If like, you want to see the women and the men play against each other, there's mixed doubles. Mixed doubles. Yes. And sometimes uh, the women are the stronger players on the mixed doubles team. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Adelia. You, you excited for the yeah, I'm excited. Of the Australian I'm very Open? excited. So my first year, like, you know what? I got to stop talking to you because I feel like every time I talk to you, I add another sport that I have to watch. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I used to be a man who only watched football and basketball. Now I'm a man who watches football, basketball, hockey, and tennis. And, f- and well, the Formula, Formula One. Well, no, that's because of me. That's me. That was me. Yeah. I added that myself. You added two sports, hockey and stinking tennis. So now, not stinking tennis, because I actually like tennis. I quite enjoyed it. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm really excited. It's going to be my first see. It's my first year ever watching major tournaments. You know, I'm probably not going to watch a lot of ATP stuff. I mean, because I don't have the tennis channel, okay? I'm a bureau, and it's very hard to get the tennis channel. Uh, I don't have cable. Uh, I have the tennis channel. Uh, I'll, I'll check it out later. Uh, I'm not gonna say this out loud. I'm not gonna say it out loud. I'm not gonna say it out loud. No, don't. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I really am. Uh, I've always found Rafa Nadal fascinating because he was always left-handed and he dominated. And I'm like, how how does lefty dominate 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 a sport? And then it always felt weird to me. It's like, why does he dominate the French Open so much? You know, I found him fascinating. You know, because a man winning the French Open 14 times. It's mind-boggling. Thirteen or fourteen? Yeah, well, I'm saying fourteen because it makes him look cooler. Okay. Um. On, well, Adelia, on that note, it's the very first episode of the highlights major recap. You know, that's what I'm sure. We, we need a better to name. Go over the name for it. Yeah, we need. To, yeah, we need. To, highlights presents what? What are we presenting, Adelia? I don't know. We'll uh, talk about it. And we'll name talk the about it. We'll name the episode, guys. The name will be amazing. Uh, are we dropping this tomorrow? Tomorrow? Yeah. We're dropping this tomorrow with a great name. Everyone, I'd like to thank you for listening to the show. This is for the audio feed. Only the audio feed. This is for you guys. We love you. We're almost 10,000. Keep listening. Keep listening, baby. Keep listening, and we are going to go to 10,000. Um, on that note, I am Ferris Mutona, and that is Adelia Chamberlain. We'd like to thank you for listening, and come back next week when we talk about the start of the Australian Open in these great matches. Did you say come back next week? Come back tomorrow. We're doing this daily, aren't we? Oh, we are. I think so. Are we? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, we are. We'll be here tomorrow. We'll, we'll be here tomorrow, people. So listen, because the tournament starts tomorrow, right? Sunday. Yeah. Sunday, Sunday night. Sunday F4. night, yeah. yeah. All right. What's the first match? 
I haven't seen the play about the order of play yet. One second. It's a horrible way to out. I'm pretty bad at this, ain't I? Uh, yeah, you are. Yeah. Wow. Okay. You don't have to admit it. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah. Um, I think the first match on Rod Laver Arena is Ash Barty. Who we didn't nice. talk about. Ash Barty, the Australian. Is she Australian? She is Australian. Okay, she good. is oh, the Australian God. trying to win the Australian Open, which has yeah. not happened for the Aussies. The Aussies have not had someone win the Australian Open in quite a while. Um, actually, I'm wrong. The first match, um, uh, that's the night night session. The first match is Ash Barty. Um, the uh, first match tomorrow, Rod Laver Arena, is Maria Sakkari versus Tatiana Maria. So that'll yeah, be a good one. The Battle of the Marias. Santana must be going crazy. Maria, Maria. On that note, guys, y'all have a wonderful night.